Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Julie Lynn C. was a 25-year-old from Daytona Beach, Florida. She was a mother of two and had recently gotten divorced. On December 23, 1988, Julie was at her job. She mentioned she planned to do some Christmas shopping later that evening. Julie departed her work at the usual time. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. type. The guy who pulls up to the valet in his Ferrari. He gets out wearing a tuxedo. Maybe it's Armani or Tom Ford. He's alone and he catches everyone else's attention as he walks inside the building. He smiles. He's friendly. But no one knows his name. He's not an actor. He's not a pro athlete. He's not even a famous musician. But he looks like someone. Then in a second, he's through the front door, and everybody else is left to wonder, who the heck was that guy? Have you ever been in that situation, where you're somewhere, you see someone, man or woman, and you're like, that person looks like someone? I had that happen to me a few years ago at the Tampa airport. There was this beautiful woman, I'd say she was in her late 30s or 40s, she was getting on a different plane than mine. I was like, I know she's someone, but I can't place her. Then she was gone on a jet, and she's still an enigma. I bring this up because 31 years later, the people around Julie C. still have a conundrum of their own. Julie, in the days leading up to her disappearance, had been complaining about a guy harassing her. But Julie never mentioned his name despite her complaints. Not to her family. Not to her friends. And shortly after this, she was gone. And even now, nobody is sure who the mystery man is. Or maybe we are. And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Good's website, charlieproject.org. Julie C. was adopted out of an orphanage and raised in a large, happy family. She was intelligent and a bit shy but should really open up once she got to know people. 
She met her husband, Tim, at church, and they had two children. They lived in the beautiful Atlantic Coast community and NASCAR hub, Daytona Beach, Florida. What could go wrong? But then the problem started. Their marriage fell apart after six years, and they got divorced the same year she disappeared. In addition, after moving in with two female friends, Julie started to complain about a man who wouldn't leave her alone. Yet she never uttered his name to anyone. So on December 23, 1988, it was a Friday. Julie went to work. She was a telemarketing salesperson. She then planned to get some last-minute Christmas shopping done. Julie may have gone home first before a shopping trip, but no one is quite sure. Either way, after leaving her job, Julie was never seen again. Bank records retrieved later show Julie went to an ATM that evening, although the location has never been established. Despite Julie never mentioning her tormentor's name back in 1988, the police eventually decided upon who that man might have been. But there is no proof the police are correct. We will name this man in this episode. However, questions remain. Number one, if Julie was set on going shopping, how could she and this man run into each other? Number two, if this man is responsible, why was Julie's car found nowhere near where he lived? And number three, could this man be responsible for other disappearances and murders of women in the Daytona Beach area? Julie's family is 100% convinced this person of interest is responsible for her disappearance. However, right now he's a free man. For this episode, I welcome back to the program the sister-in-law of Julie C., Leslie Martin. Unfound News Did you get your newsletter? I hope you did. It came out last Thursday, August 1st, my birthday. If you didn't get it, contact me and I will put you on the list. I think it's worth it because I write about some topics there that I don't cover on the episodes or on the YouTube live show. I would love for you to be a member. And I promise, no spam. Next, this is a topic I mention in the newsletters, but not so much elsewhere. But here at Unfound, we do our share of investigations as well, meaning we work on cases that may or may not become episodes. I'm working on something behind the scenes right now. Cherie is, and so is Dr. Eric Grabowski. All different cases in different states, trying to dig up information that the public's never seen before. I will keep you posted if anything breaks open. And finally... I have to apologize to all the think tankers this week. Once again, YouTube has changed its criteria for live streaming. I think we may just be conducting the think tank on Facebook from now on. But the live show will remain on YouTube. And if you'd like to be a think tanker, just go to Patreon and contribute at the $12 a month level. Thanks. Where you can find Unfound. Unfound supports accounts on Podomatic, iTunes, Stitcher, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, and Facebook. On Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, please join us on YouTube for the Unfound Live Show. Contribute to Unfound at patreon.com forward slash unfoundpodcast. This week, I need to thank Murray. You can also contribute at PayPal, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. This week, I need to thank Tobias. That is also the email address. Merchandise, the books at Amazon.com in both ebook and print form. Don't forget the reviews. Shirts at unfound-podcast.myshopify.com. 
cards at makeplayingcards.com forward slash sell forward slash unfound podcast. And please mention unfound at all true crime websites and forums. Thanks. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I'm so happy to have back on Unfound the sister-in-law of Julie C., Leslie Martin. Leslie, welcome back to Unfound. Thank you. Of course, the first time around, we talked about your stepson, Donnie, and his disappearance. That is a disappearance that is much more recent than Julie's. There are things that are still developing in that case. But in this case with Julie, she is your sister-in-law. So why don't you talk about first how she and your brother met and maybe talk a little bit about what you remember about their relationship. I believe, if I am not mistaken, they met at church back then. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe that is how they met. Okay. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I met Julie at a family dinner, I believe. Oh, it's been so long ago. I believe we were at the Islander um, outside of Daytona Beach, the Islander Hotel with my family that night. And um, she was really, really quiet and shy, um, young. I think she was mm. only about 18 then. Wow. And uh, just super shy. And, and we're kind of, we were always just sort of loud people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so no tab. I, I know what she thought of me. I asked her later, I said, what did you think of us when you first, first met us? And she goes, everybody was really nice. And she had this mischievous grin. And uh, mm-hmm. my little great nephew has that same face um mm-hmm. <laughs> he mm-hmm. said i thought you were a floozy because you had oh my. earrings on oh my okay <laughs> I mean, she could be so funny and as she um was around us more her personality came out more and she was just an awesome awesome very sweet very giving person uh-huh and so she was 18 when she met uh, your brother, like you said, at church yeah. in the Daytona Beach area. And how old was he? I believe he was 20, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, so both very young. Both of them very young. Okay. And it sounds to me like you said that she was um, very quiet. Maybe your brother not so much. You know, what do you think, uh, if you can say, uh, I know that you're close to your brother. You know, what drew them to each other? What was the commonality? Do attract sometimes, and uh, but you know, as time went on, Julie was not really shy. I think that was mm. just meeting us for the first time. Probably jitters. That's always a little nerve wracking when you sure. meet the family. And um, she just she ended up not being shy at all. And I got to work with her in Orlando for a while, and she was far from from shy as. Time went on. You know, the whole family just loved her to pieces. Mm-hmm. And uh, you do not live in the Daytona Beach area now. We're not going to get into where you no. live now. But so you were living in the area, so you got to see her quite often, or how was that? Back then, I did. I did. And then uh, I 
moved to Birmingham, Alabama, and that's where I was living when Julie disappeared. Oh, okay. Okay, and so would you say that you and, and Julie uh, became close even though you moved? Did you talk to her, you know, very often? Obviously, she's yeah, you're then your sister-in-law. You did? Okay. We talked on the phone, and uh, she came and, and visited once, and uh, just, yeah, you know, she was my first sister. My other brother wasn't married yet, and mm-hmm. I grew up with boys, so it was really cool having a sister. Okay. And how often would you say that you saw her? Did, did they come up and visit you, or did you just get together for holidays, or what? Not so often. Not so often, often because they um, they did separate while we were there. I saw her when I left there and would go visit, but uh, they didn't get to come up so often because they both worked, too. And okay. I, I, at the time, was, was pregnant with my youngest, so right. it was little easier that <clears throat> toward the end I, I couldn't go anywhere at all mm-hmm. and uh, they had separated so okay change but we did speak on the phone after that even okay well let's talk about uh, their separation and, and divorce and we're not here to dig up things from you know 30 years ago um, um, but they did have uh, how long were they married before they got divorced maybe you can talk a little bit about their children too I believe for about Five or six years, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And uh, then they separated, uh, got divorced, and the divorce had not been final that long before Julie disappeared. Hmm. Okay. And they did have some children, though. Uh, yes, they did. Okay. They were quite young, quite young. At the time. Right. Of course, if they, yeah, if they had only been married six years, then they were right. uh, quite young. How many kids? Two. Two. Okay. So they got married. Uh, sounds like very young, 18 and 20 years old when they when they got together. Of course, Julie was 25 when she disappeared, and you know she had already been divorced at that time. So, um, you know, seven years. You know, seven years from them meeting till she disappeared. But um, what was she um, once she got divorced? Was she working? Was she? Uh, she was did, she, did she have custody of the kids? What did they work out with that? If you can, if you can say, and was she living at roommates, etc.? What was going on in her life? Most of the time, um, at that point, because Julie was working, and uh, it was at the time my my mom was still alive, and she was helping with the boys quite a bit, mm. and was close by. So at the time, uh, Timmy had them, you know, more often than. And Julie did. All right, and Tim is your brother, uh, right? Okay. And but she still, you know, she saw the kids and all. It certainly wasn't that she did not want the children or anything Mm. like that. Mm -hmm. In fact, she was supposed to come that Christmas uh, that she disappeared. She was supposed to come to Birmingham with everybody. Okay. So they get divorced, um, and and Tim, your brother. And the kids are still living in the Daytona Beach area as well? They were actually in Orlando at the time. In, in Orlando. Okay, so she's Daytona Beach, Orlando. Not at all, yeah. Not far. Hour, hour and 15 minutes, of course, depending on traffic and other factors. But right. yeah, yes, I've made that drive a few times. All right, so did was she living by herself at the time? You know, she what had was... roommates. She had two, two roommates. Okay. 
I think this is going to play a little bit of a part in her the disappearance and how we look at it. But what was her job? Is that a job that she had for a while? What was she doing? She was doing uh, some kind of telephone sales uh, at the time when she disappeared. Okay. And had she been doing that uh, for a while or just since she got divorced? Not for a long while, no. No. Okay. And in, in your opinion, uh, looking back at it now, of course, over 30 years later, how do you think that um, you know, she handled the divorce? Uh, did she and your brother remain friends? Uh, you know, were they cordial with the kids? Um, what can you say about that? Planning on, yeah, they were planning on getting back together. I'm sure hmm. they I can't speak for either one of them. What mm-hmm. they went through, I you know, no divorce is easy. No. And I'm sure that there were things involved that probably weren't that great, but they were planning on getting back together. I had spoken with her on the phone about that, and I believe mm-hmm. just, you know, wanting to take it slow and, and work through whatever was going on with the two of them, and that's where it was left when she disappeared. Okay. And so when you say that they were, you know, trying or thinking, is that something that both both of them said? You know, your brother at the time. Yeah, my brother did. They they were both saying that. Okay. Well, that's that was uh, that's good to hear. Uh, You know, of course, you know, with kids like that, you know, sometimes you know people figure out they make mistakes after divorce. And I know some people that have gotten divorced and then got remarried. So you know, it does happen. That's not unusual. Uh, But she was living. She has a couple roommates, and I know we've talked about their names. I think you said one's. Uh, one of the names was Michelle. They were both girls or both young women. Right, right. Okay. Now, something um, that, that we need to talk about, and we need to be, I think, fairly specific about this, is that in the days and weeks, and you talking uh, to Julie, I don't know if she was, you know, we can get, we probably can cover that, whether she was mentioning this to any other people. But you were very close to her, even though you didn't live in the area. She was telling you about a guy who was bothering her. What what can you say about that? What was she saying about that? And specifically, did she ever use the guy's name, or did she just say some guy? What can you tell the listeners? She, she said some guy. She did not say his name. She said a guy at work. Um if she had been talking to me in nowadays, I'm sure she probably would have used the word stalk. Mm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. She said that he just wouldn't leave her alone, and he mm. was driving her crazy. Uh, she did not tell me that she had ever gone out with him before or anything during mm. the actual separation or divorce. Uh, I don't have a lot of information on that. Mm-hmm. I believe they may have. And uh, she just did not care for him. And when she called me a couple of days before Christmas, she called to say that she was not going to be able to come because of work. And I was going to, if I didn't, my due date was Christmas Day. If I did not have my son on Christmas Day, they were going to induce me on the 27th. Okay. And I told her <clears throat> that, uh, you know, well, darn, you know, you'll, You'll miss, you know, they're going to induce labor on the 27th if I don't go into labor before then, which I did go, I did have him on Christmas Day, his due date. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I was disappointed she wasn't going to be there. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
that was our last conversation. Okay, just so I can ask you, she he, she never said this guy's name, and, and we're going to talk about who that might have been, but did she ever say right. it's a guy that she works with, or was it a guy in her apartment complex, or a guy at the gym? The guy she worked with. A guy she, the worked, guy with. she worked with. All right, right so at this, at this job where she was a salesperson on the phone. Correct. Okay. And did she ever say anything about going maybe to her supervisors? You know, it, maybe he was her supervisor, but even above him to complain. Any knowledge uh, as to that? I don't detail like that, and I don't know that she ever did. I'm sure that uh, the Daytona PD would hopefully have that information. Okay. Okay. And did she ever – did she say he was just kind of bothering? Did she – the way you remember it, ever express any fear? They, like, Not you know, fear, just uh, frustration. Frustration. Like I can't get this guy to leave me alone. Okay. So that All he right. was relentless. Okay, so she never said anything about he just, for example, just happened to show up at her apartment unannounced. No, and she he, didn't go into specifics. Didn't go into specifics. Okay, so can you think of anything else going back to that time, anything else that she was – Complaining about, worried about, anything else in her life that could be related to her disappearance, the way you look at it Not now? Not at all. Nothing. Nothing. All right. No. I just have to ask because it pops up. And any drugs, any uh, questionable behavior, risky behavior that you know of? No. no. Zero. Okay. Let's go move up to December 23rd, 1998. She's working this job. She has roommates. What do you know? Uh, what if you found out, um, you know, the facts of that day, where she went, what she did? The detective, there was a detective on the case for quite a while. Uh, he's not anymore. He has since retired Detective Adamy. And okay. he was really helped a whole lot in, in us trying to figure out things by being as honest as he could. He said that uh, Julie had worked that day and she had told people she was going to go shopping. Okay. And she still had gifts to get for the boys. Um, I think she may have gone home first. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. Uh, I, th I think she did. It was either people at work or, or in her apartment, <clears throat> excuse me, that were able to give a description of what she was wearing that day. Okay. And uh, that's all we know is <clears throat> there's never been anything said about any gifts being found in the car. Uh, when mm -hmm. they did find the car, I don't want to jump ahead of you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or anything like that. In fact, her, her person, everything was still in the car. Okay. Okay. So, as far as you know, it was just December twenty third was a Friday, correct? Yes. Yeah. It was Friday, and so uh, December twenty fifth, nineteen eighty eight, was on a Sunday. Of course, this is the birth date of one of your children, mm -hmm. correct? Okay. So you were in the final stages of your pregnancy, so you're kind of laid up uh, at the time. I actually went to the hospital late Christmas Eve night. Okay. And. Uh, had him on Christmas Day. Okay. So, so she we goes. Knew nothing about Julie until my brother tried calling on uh, Christmas morning. Okay. And I, I want to talk about that here in a moment. So she goes to work on that Friday like she usually does. 
And then we're just not sure. Uh, I think that we're leaning toward the idea that she maybe did go home first and then went back out. But the way the police describe it and maybe the way the other people who knew her thought that she was going to be getting some last-minute shopping done. Right. Okay. And then sometime in all of that, of course, she disappears. Um, You just mentioned it. And we will uh, talk about it now. When was the first time that somebody started thinking that, you know, maybe something's up here? Maybe Julie is missing or she's not, you know, what was it? I'm not real sure. My brother came up to the hospital. Uh, They didn't say anything earlier that day. But he came up late Christmas night and he was really concerned Mm. Uh, that's when I found out, even though my mom and him knew, that's when, when I found out they had not been able to get a hold of her. And, uh, I don't remember if he spoke with any of her roommates at that point and if they hadn't seen her, but on Monday, the the day after, I wasn't going to get to come home until Tuesday, mm-hmm. uh, on Monday, my brother and him had made the decision to go back. My mom was actually going to stay for a couple of weeks with me. Okay. <laughs> and they made the decision to go back and go to Daytona so they could file an official missing persons report. Okay. So she disappears on a Friday, the 23rd. And then, so you're saying the Monday, the 26th is when they decide, you know what, uh, you know, people haven't seen her. We've tried calling her. She's not picking up. It's it feels like something is up. Something's right. going on. Okay. So when what the way you understand it, and I understand that you of course had just given birth, you're not going to be able to take part in these things, but the way you understand it, right. when they got back down to Daytona Beach, what did they do? What was the interaction with the police like? Uh I'm afraid that The initial interaction with the police, and back then missing people's were were quite different than they are now. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were some things going on that there are now, like sex trafficking and whatever, but we didn't hear about them. We didn't have social media and and all back then. But the way that it was treated at first was maybe she was despondent over not being with the little ones at Christmas. Mm -hmm. And maybe she was, you know, upset about the divorce and she just took off. Uh, She wasn't despondent sounding when I spoke with her, disappointed that she wasn't going to be able to spend Christmas with us. That would have been the very first Christmas Mm -hmm. that that would have happened. But she certainly was not acting despondent or anything. No. But I'm afraid that, you know, that's how they, they took it then. Hmm. Okay. And it wasn't a matter of urgency uh, initially. Okay. So your brother goes down there, he files the police report, but the police are um, maybe not resp- well, as responsible. back in a few days, maybe she took off and yeah. that kind of thing. Okay, so they're not as responsive as uh, you would have liked, as we th- would as think. As we think she, they should have been. Um, just to make some things clear, that your brother, once again, her ex-husband, um, uh, we're going to talk about him specifically, but he, the, the children were with him 
Um, right. In fact, they were. He and my mom and the kids were on the way on the 23rd from Florida to Birmingham. Uh, okay. So I guess the plan was that um, they were not. She was not going to be able to spend uh, Christmas with her children. I'm not trying right. to put a you know a, a spotlight on that, but be, it was it because of your pregnancy. Is that the reason that was going to happen, or or, or what do you think? We all always did Christmas together anyway okay and uh you know my brother um was bringing my mom to birmingham so that she could stay with me mm-hmm. which that normally would not have happened they probably would have gone home right after christmas had i not been due any day but my mom was going to stay and my brother and the boys go back okay so the plan was that uh he was just gonna uh when do you think, I guess, if she doesn't disappear, when do you think that she was going to get to see her children? Was it going to be on Christmas Day or the day after? What do you think probably the plan? Probably a day or two after. I'm sure he would have probably hung around to see what was going to happen with me if I hadn't gone into labor. Okay. All right. Okay, thank you. They left the day that I got out of the hospital, the 27th. Okay, so that would have been a Tuesday. Okay. So, um, but I do have to ask, once this police report, I'm sure that being that your brother, just to be honest, is the ex-husband, and we know that ex-husbands often do play a role in their ex-wife's disappearance, um, they did talk to him, but he had a pretty good alibi as to where he was when Julie disappeared, and what was that alibi? He was with me and at my place of business, and all over the mall with us shopping the day before and okay. uh, I owned a restaurant and lounge back then and he had gone with me to the state store because I couldn't pick up the cases of liquor and Alabama mm-hmm. you have to go to a state store and purchase for your business okay. and uh, he was with me when I did that so he had very rock solid alibi. Right and we have to remember this is up in Birmingham, Alabama which uh, having just driven that uh, from Florida up into Alabama, that is a long drive, a yes, long, long drive. Okay, yes, it it's not right down the street. Okay, so the police no. checked him out and ruled him out. Now, Julie, of course, is missing, but her car was missing, but it was eventually found. Where was it found? When was it found? What can you tell the listeners? The car was found on Magnolia Avenue in uh, Daytona. And as far as I know, the car was fine. The car was unlocked, and her purse was inside of the car, which had her birth certificate and some important papers in it. Nothing was missing, and the driver's uh, seat was adjusted for somebody who was much taller than Julie. She was only uh, four foot eleven. Hmm. Okay, so it was backed in. You could say maybe the seat had been adjusted. Maybe somebody wasn't, uh, Julie wasn't driving it. We might be able to say that. Uh, is this a decent area, the way you understand it? Maybe we not, may not know about that in 2019. I can't speak for, for what it is now, mm-hmm. but then it, it wasn't a, a real bad area. Okay. Would you say the way you understand it was the car found in a, an area where she she said she was going shopping. Any no. shopping that she no. would have been doing anywhere near there, do you think? 
Oh, I would guess if Julie were going to go shopping, she probably would have gone to the Volusia Mall. Okay. Now, who found this car? Was it just um, some passerby or something? Did somebody, you know, complain about it, or did the I police find? The police found the car backed into that space. I believe it was okay. the police department. So this was kind of a situation where they were on the lookout for her car, being right. that she was a missing she person. They found it. Yeah. Okay. Any idea the way you look at it? Was it kind of hidden or something? Do you think? Uh, no. Okay, I guess what I, I'm going to ask is... city lot, so it was, you know, it was visible. Okay, would I guess what I'm saying is, it was it prominent enough that it should have been found quicker than that? Or are you under the impression that, that... You know, if they were actively looking for her, you would think so. Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess what I'm saying is that it wasn't hidden to the point where it wasn't discovered for a couple of weeks. I guess what I'm trying to figure out, do you think it was there that whole time or do you think that it had just been put there like the day before? If they put it there the day before, I'd like to know where they hid it during that mm -hmm. time period. Uh, it's hard to say because, again, the police thought she may have just gone somewhere to mm -hmm. clear her head. Okay. Okay. So I don't so know how actively. I'm sure at this point they were starting to look. All right. Starting to take it serious. All right, so we're just not sure. Um, did they dust it for fingerprints? Did they do any forensics on it at all, to your knowledge? Yes, from what I heard, they did. That, that's what I was told by Detective Adamy, that her car was dusted. Okay. Now you said she was going shopping. Uh, what was found? Uh, you said it was unlocked, which, uh, uh, which seems to me a little unusual. But what was found in the car? They didn't say, just her purse. Just her purse. Any idea if any gifts that she was allegedly going to shop for were found in the car? They never mentioned that, and if there were with the car being unlocked, you would think they would have taken the gifts, but why wouldn't mm. they have taken her purse? So okay. I'm doubting that there were gifts in the car. Okay. Uh, to me, they would have stolen her purse as well. Right. Any keys? Keys for the car were found? The keys, if I remember correctly, were in the car. Hmm. Okay, so somebody just, or she, just uh, dumped the car and took off, leaving it unlocked with the keys in it, or not. Um, the roommates, we've already talked about them. Um, I know that one of their names is Michelle. I, I think that you've been trying to figure out what their other names are in the last name. I remember her last name. She yeah. got married. That's the problem. It's been so long. Um, yeah. I can probably find out from Detective McElroy. Okay. Um, did your brother uh, talk to them? Did they know anything? Did they see her that day the way you know they, they remember it? He had spoken to them. Um, I'm not. It's been so long. That's what's so hard. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what their conversations were. At that point, everybody was just so worried and concerned, you know, what what happened. And uh, but I do know that he had he had spoken to the roommates, and I I believe they kept in touch for a little while. Okay. I know one of them reached out to me uh, years ago when AOL. Gosh, it was probably like 1.0 back then. Mm -hmm. uh, back in the 90s, and 
I don't have that account anymore. Uh, otherwise, I'd, I'd probably be able to track her down. But, uh, you know, we had spoken on the phone, and there was just so few clues. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the roommates, uh, did, did they say that they saw her? Did she, once again, we're a little up in the air. Did she come home after work that day, or they just said they couldn't? That's what I don't, I don't remember, and these girls worked too, so I don't know if they saw her or not. Okay. Do you think that these roommates had any idea about the complaints she was having about some guy that she worked with? Did they ever mention More anything? than likely. I mean, women talk. I would think that they more than likely did. Now, my understanding is there was some sort of uh, ATM video or surveillance video. When did you find out about that? Or maybe when did your brother find out about that? Um, what can Someone you tell the listeners? Said during the, the initial investigation that she had um, taken some money out of her account. But I don't know about a video. Okay. If there was a video, they weren't. They didn't say much about it. Just that she had withdrawn money. Okay, so she withdrew money, but um, there may be a video. There may be not be a video. You don't know. Do you have any idea where the money was taken out? No, I don't. I don't know where she banked at. Okay. But that would make sense maybe if she was going shopping that she did stop in an ATM somewhere. Right. Okay. Because back then, not a lot of places took cards, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Hard to say. Okay, now let's get to the this uh, guy. At least we think it's the guy. His name is Kenneth Roy. His last name is, he has, I guess, two first names. Kenneth Roy, R-O-Y is his last name. When was the first time you heard the name Kenneth Roy mentioned in the disappearance of Julie? Probably a couple of weeks into the investigation. Okay. Any idea, now keep in mind for the listeners, when Julie was complaining about a guy that was harassing her and possibly stalking her, she never mentioned a name. So I'm wondering, do you have any idea how his name came up if nobody could give police his name? Any idea of of that at all? It may have been the roommates. I'm not 100% sure, but... Somebody knew, somebody at work knew, somebody knew something to refer Mm. him to the police. Okay, I understand. Okay. So his name pops up. He's not, it was a name you've never heard of before. Do you believe that your uh, brother had ever heard that name before it popped up after her disappearance? No, I don't think he had. He may have, I don't know. Okay, and we know that Julie had complained about a guy but had never used a name. Now, did she and Kenneth work together? Yes. All right, so he worked there, she worked there, so it's very possible that she he could have been the guy uh, that he was complaining about. Um, so how did he even become a suspect? That's what I'm not sure of. Um, like I said, someone had to have given his name at some point. that's who was the one that was bothering Julie. Uh, Nowadays, again, use the term stalking, you know, Mm -hmm. not not leaving her alone, what have you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. uh, It's 
so hard when it's been 30 years to remember every little. I, I understand. You just, I understand that Leslie, just do your best you can. I understand that, you know, uh, you know, I do believe his name was mentioned by someone. Okay. I guess what I'm saying is that was there um, evidence that brought them to his door or was it just somebody giving them a name? Well, I know this guy. I guess that – and we're, we're just not sure. I'm not sure. Okay. Now, the police did talk to him. Um, what did he have to say? I don't know what I can actually say, even though it's been a, a, an ancient – investigation, mm-hmm. I guess I can say <laughs> what, I, mm-hmm. what I want. Please, please. Uh, they really felt like it was him from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was a scapegoat. Uh, he had a past. Okay. And I, I don't know how much I can say about his past. I, I don't know if this yeah. man could try and sue me or anything. Well, he had a, did he have a criminal record before he and Julie met? Yes, he did. All right, we'll just leave it at that. So he had a criminal record, but he was at, working at this job, and the police were drawn to him for some reason. And to your knowledge, did he ever offer up any sort of alibi or you know anything like I don't that for that? He had an alibi. I've never heard that he had an alibi. Um, supposedly. Uh, Detective McLevoy, for some reason, thinks that Julie went by there. Uh, I don't know if that's true, if he Mm -hmm. knows for a fact that she did go by there, or, you know, if he was kind of giving me a hint that she may have. Uh, I don't know if he stalked her in the parking lot at work, you know, if he he caught her out in the parking lot. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure she went home, so that doesn't seem possible. She, uh, I do know she was supposed to have Christmas dinner with her family, and she did not, of course, make it there um, mm-hmm. on the 25th. But for some reason, the police were absolutely drawn to him from the beginning. Every detective that has worked the case has felt like it was him. Okay, so they questioned him quite a bit, but they could not connect him to the disappearance. Yes. Okay. Now, you did say that... Everything on him, uh, to use their terminology, has been circumstantial. Okay, circumstantial evidence. Mm -hmm. Now, you did mention that there were fingerprints possibly found in the car. I guess that his fingerprints did not match any in the car. I'm guessing. Uh, no, not to my knowledge. Uh, I believe that one of the detectives had told me it was kids and Julie, and so, you know, he'd be smarter than to leave his prints in that mm-hmm. car. Anybody would have been. Okay, and what are his particulars? You know, it, was he around uh, Julie's age at the time? Uh, did he have any kids of himself? I mean, do you know anything if he was originally from? A little older. I've little never older. heard he had children. I've never heard he was married. I all I know is uh, from what I've told been told. For whatever reason, the police do know 
or told me he was the last person to see her alive. I don't know how they know that information because when I was mm-hmm. given that, they weren't giving out a whole lot because mm-hmm. by then, they, of course, they were taking everything serious. Right. A lot more serious than they did during the initial investigation. Um, investigation. Okay. Uh, Al McAvoy has told me a few things. Uh, he's a, a retired police commissioner from New York, and he works, he, he comes in a day or two a week to work the cold cases. He's told me a little bit, but because they still call it open, mm-hmm. which to me technically it's not, right. um, you know, I, I guess they can't give everything out. Okay. I believe they had like 79 unsolved murder cases a year or two ago that he was working on there. Yeah, it's, that's horrible, too. I guess what we're saying is this disappearance is going to be 31 years old coming this December, and there's never been any hard evidence to really connect Kenneth Roy to Julie's disappearance. Doesn't sound like a very good guy, but I don't personally know him. He may be the guy that was, you know, and he may be the guy that was harassing her at work, but... You know, she never used his name. And right, that it could be someone else. But right. for some reason, there's been quite a few detectives in this case through the years. Mm-hmm. They have all said the same thing. When they get the files out and they go through them and they go through the investigation, that they all know without a doubt that he had something to do with her disappearance. Okay. That's what the police are saying. That's not me saying it. That's not you saying it. Right. This is what the police have said since you've been living with this for the last 30 years. That's the police saying this. Right. Okay. Um, there is something, and it reminded me, I can't think of the uh, case right now of, man, he was, I think he's known as the the dating game uh, killer. He was a guy who, who um, appeared on the dating game, and then he ended up being a serial killer, but he had a picture of all these different women in his place, but you told me they went when they went to Ken's house, he also had kind of a photo album, and possibly Julie was in it. Why don't you tell the listeners about that? Yeah, there was supposed to be a picture, uh, uh, pictures of women in this photo album. I have never seen it. I'm um, mm-hmm. hoping that in the near future I can get to Daytona and, and go talk to McAvoy and, and look at some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, that where Julie was in this picture... And she was in kind of a contorted position that people wouldn't normally be in and holding a cigarette. Julie didn't smoke. So it looked like, from what um, one of the detectives told me, that it was a staged photograph. Are you saying that this maybe looked like it was a staged photograph? Correct. That's what one of the detectives Mm. had said to me. Okay. Just simply because of the way that her body was positioned. Huh. Any of the other women ever identified, to your knowledge, in this photo album that Kenneth Roy had? I have no idea. That's a good question. No? Okay. And has anybody in your family ever seen this photo album? I, you just said you haven't seen it, but the police have seen it, obviously. Had your brother ever seen it? Anybody else? I believe my brother and my mom did. Okay. Huh. All right. And she has a cigarette in her mouth, and uh, you and even said... 
They had it in her, in her hand. In her hand. In her hand. And you made it sound to me, if you can say, uh, that it almost was like under the impression that maybe it looked like she wasn't even possibly alive in the picture. Correct. Um, okay. Do you believe that this album uh, is still in police possession 30 years later? I, mean, I would assume it is. Okay. I would assume it is. Okay. And, and once again, they um, have never um, told you whether they've been able to track down any of the other women who are in this photo album. They have not. Okay. What you know about Kenneth Roy? Did he live in the area? I mean, where is he from? Where did he live? Uh, did he live in Daytona Beach? Did he live in Orlando? He was, somewhere, he was from somewhere up north, and his home uh, was actually on Tula Drive in Port Orange. Okay, so would you say that was near where the her car was found or not? Uh not too far away. It's just a little bit of a drive, but not too far away. All right. So it's not a distance that he could have walked. Once no. again, if he ditched the car, could he have walked I mean, it? He walked in a, a little ways, but um, his home, too, uh, had a great big tree in the front, which doesn't really block the home, but it kind of does the top of the home, and the home set back from the driveway a bit. Do you know if any of the other, once you got into this, once your brother was looking into this, and we have to talk about Julie, her own um, family here, um, before this is all over as well, but um, do you know if any other women who worked at this company ever complained about, you know, if he ever give that, gave them a hard time too, harassing them, anything, do you any knowledge of that? If there were any other women, the police never said. Um Based on his prior history, he seemed to be more interested in small, uh, petite, dark-haired, dark-eyed women. Okay. So uh, you're, you're, you're saying he had a type? A preference. And, yeah, preference, and that this um, could – maybe they developed this profile of him from some of his prior incidents? Correct. Okay. Right. All right. Now, you told me that he, um, this is a bit of hearsay, but I, I think that, that uh, we're going to put it out there anyway, that somebody, he talked to somebody about a body. What, what was this story? The story is, is he was in a bar somewhere in Daytona, and I believe this person called this tip in and said something about, do you know you can get rid of a body if you use lime? Mm -hmm. Any, I re remember when this call came in, and do you think that this person, if it was the bartender, or, fairly early, fairly early on in the investigation, very early. Do you think the person that called this in already knew that Kenneth was a suspect, a person of interest in Julie's disappearance, or did this just come out of the blue? I don't know if it came out of the blue or not. I have no idea. I don't think the guy had a lot of friends. Mm hmm. I guess what I'm saying is I'm, I'm I'm more inclined to believe that comment if just me personally if the person calling in did all, did not already know that Kenneth was being investigated for Julie's disappearance that would lend they a lot have. of lend a credibility yeah, to it. However, 
you know, if, if on the other hand, um, the person already knew that Ken was being investigated, then it's, then it's almost a little bit, um, a little, it feels a little contrived to me, you know, somebody just right. making something up to Make try to help the police up. pin it up, pin it on them. Okay. But we're not sure about that, are we? Right. And you get some, so much hearsay in these missing person cases. Yeah, that's true. And, and of course, yeah. you know that a lot concerning Donnie's case as well, case, right. of course, that uh, you've already been on found uh, about. All right. You so the, who's covering for who or who's making up stories to take the heat off someone else. So you just don't know. Right. Uh, let's talk about this a little bit. It, could you see a, a, a scenario? As much as Julie complained about this guy, we, once again, we don't know it was Ken. We can infer that it was Ken, but being that she never mentioned his name. Can you see a scenario where Julie actually would have gone over to his house? Can you visualize that? Uh, I could see maybe Julie because she, she might have been this way, thinking, you know, this guy's just pathetic. I feel sorry for him. I'm going to go over there and, and be nice and tell him, yeah, listen, you know, I'm thinking about getting back with, with Tim or telling him I, I'm just not ready to date somebody. I like you as a friend. I can see her handling a situation that way. Mm-hmm. And she... she got mad and... Mm-hmm. Well, we're not going to get into that, but we just want to say you yeah. could see a scenario, even though she might have complaining about somebody who was allegedly Ken. Trying that, to handle it nicely. That he, she, if he invited her over to his house, that she might have shown up. Right. Okay. Uh, but I'm guessing that nobody's ever come forward to say that they saw her car there or anything like that. That's one that I had left a message um, for Detective, uh, or yeah, Detective McAvoy, and I'm hoping he gets back with me soon, uh, mm-hmm. asking him that. Did any of the neighbors see her car? Okay, that'd be an interesting question. You'd think that that would, um, you know, be a helpful piece of information. You know, anybody could pull a car in a garage well, and then true. take it out. Sure. Later on down, you know day or two later and put it somewhere else and then go back and move it. Who knows? I have heard so much Mm -hmm. in the last two years about vehicles being hidden and moved and bodies being hidden and moved that I don't doubt anything. Okay. Okay. Have you or anybody in your family, maybe especially, uh, your brother ever talked to Ken one-on-one? I, I'm not going to say confront him, but have ever had a chance, opportunity to talk to him about Julie? No. No, my brother never did confront him. Okay. Or anyone that I know of in, in the family or Julie's family talked to him face-to-face. That probably wouldn't have been too good of an idea in the beginning there. Okay. But not, not in the last uh, 30 years either. Just kind of just popped in. He doesn't live in Daytona anymore anyway. He moved uh, a year or two after that. Okay, and maybe that's a good question to ask you right now. Uh, has anybody kept tabs on him and to see, you know, what what has Kenneth Roy done with his life since 1988? 
Do you know? I've been told he's been kept tabs on. Okay. I've looked him up myself. It mm-hmm. uh, looks like he owns a home, uh, that he started some kind of a business. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like he's been in some trouble since then, not anything to land him in, in prison, but more criminal-type behavior. Okay. Any felonies on his record, violent felonies since 1988? Once again, I'm sure the listeners, listeners are going to look this up anyway, but I'm asking you. But Not since 88 that I know of, that I've been able to find. Uh, prior to 88, he had a felony. He served time in prison for it. Okay. And that involved toward a woman. Okay. And like I said, do you know where he's originally from? If he, Do you think he's originally from Florida or some other state? No, he's not originally from Florida. Uh, don't quote me on this. Uh, it's somewhere up north. I mm. want to say I heard Maine. I'm not 100% sure. Okay. All right. Um, let's talk about Julie's family. Uh how did they react to all of this? What part did they play in this? Uh, did your brother get to talk to them? You know, what was their oh, yeah. response? He if you if you can say, if you can say. In the beginning, he talked to them quite a bit. Um, of course, he was in Orlando, and, and I believe they lived in Astor, Florida at the time. Um, so it wasn't like a, I mean, I'm sure they talked on the phone quite frequently. And when he went down there, um, about Julie's case, but Julie was, um, actually adopted, Mm -hmm. uh, out of, out of an orphanage when she was, I believe she was around two or three years old Mm. and, um, moved to the States with her American family and they had raised Julie all those years. Mm -hmm. And so did she have brothers and sisters? She had a sister and some brothers that she did. Okay. And if they, would you say that they've, uh, obviously we're just talking about your family, but have they played an active role in trying to figure out what happened as well? I believe so. I know that um, her brother told me that, oh, he, he said it was back during a time period when elections were getting ready to go on within Daytona and they got called down to the mayor's office and were told that they were going to open up these cold cases and, and what have you. Mm-hmm. And he said that nothing ever really came from it. Um, my brother has remarried a, a wonderful lady and they've had three children of their own. So he's he's got a, a family now that, let's see, there's three girls and three boys. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, including his his and Julie's too. Wow. Uh, so the thirty years, uh, you move on, but you always wonder. My mom diligently worked Julie's case uh, for many many years, and worked with Fran Webb, um, who has a, a missing daughter in Daytona. Uh, it's mm. Darlene Webb. She's been mm. gone a little longer than Julie. Right. I looked her up. Mom sure. passed away in 2006, and uh, now with the Internet being what it is, uh, I I try to keep Julie out there on the missing people sites mm. and 
I'd be like, like I try with Donnie. If the police were to get any new information, uh, I'm going to take for granted. Do you think that they would go to her, um, not necessarily her family first? I don't know. I mean, I would hope um, they would let us all know. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Just you know, everybody's uh, gotten older. Um, I know her mom just recently had a surgery. Mm. It's uh, so many years. It's just yeah. the thing that's so hard is, and, and I use this in talking about my stepson the other day, um, ambiguous grief. You have, I don't like to use the word closure because I don't see how you get closure when a, a loved one dies. I've lost both of my parents, yeah. and, and while I've accepted that, of course, it, it's still, you think of them every day. To me, that's right. not closure. <laughs> I don't right. know, maybe I have it all wrong. But it, it would certainly, uh, Julie was a real person. Mm-hmm. She existed on this earth. She had children. Uh, she was a mom, a, a sister, uh, a wife at, at one time, a daughter. Uh, we all loved her, and it would be just a blessing to be able to put her to rest and give her peace. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um... Do you have a Facebook page, or does her family have a Facebook page or something set up for her I disappearance? I started a Facebook page for Julie. It's called Find Julie Braswell C. S E A Y. Mm hmm. Okay. And would you say that you, um, when was the last time you spoke to somebody in Julie's family? Um, I guess it would be about Julie. When was the last time you ever talked to them about everything we're, we're that's on going on? together. Um, so I, I speak with them, or if I have a question, I'm able to message them and, and ask questions. Uh, one of the things I've been trying to do is uh, get Crime Stoppers to, to work with us some. Uh, allegedly, this guy that they suspect, Ken Roy, was somewhat of a loner, but there had to be someone out there. I mean, he worked and, and what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could give us some kind of information that he, I, I doubt seriously that he actually confided in somebody, but when it's someone's missing, you'll take any little tip you can get. You know, just of course. Any, any little of tip. course. Maybe it's what kind of habits did he have? What kind of, what kind of remarks did he make about women? You know, did he ever say anything? Um, Julie was uh, Korean. Mm-hmm. Uh, real pretty, real tiny, real petite. Did he make a remark to somebody about the kind of women he preferred? Uh, so I, I really want to get Crime Stoppers to, to do something for us in Volusia County and see if they can perhaps, you know, do some flyers, get a, a, a billboard up, something. Mm-hmm. And I just want to reiterate something, that this was the police who brought up Ken Roy's name. This is not you or, you know, we're not, this isn't some wild goose chase or, you know, going after somebody. This is a person that has come out of the detective's mouth. His name came out of the detective's mouth very early on in the investigation. 
Right, and and his name had had come up in the paper too. Okay. Um, you know they were very adamant. Mm-hmm. And if I can ask, and I would not ask you to say any other names, but in the last thirty years, have the police ever mentioned anybody else or any other possibility regarding Julie's disappearance? No. None. Okay. And none of the serial killers then fit the time frame. Okay, for Daytona Beach. All right. Anything else you'd like to say, Leslie, before we complete this interview? If anyone knows anything that can help us, uh, please let us know. I have emailed corners and, and talked to different corners and had people send me information about Jane Doe's and uh, if there's anyone that, that knows of anyone sitting in a morgue unidentified for years or, or that was buried by a morgue, um, to please call Detective McAvoy at Daytona Beach Police Department. Okay. All right, Leslie, what's, uh, I, I would say on one hand it's nice to have you back on the program, but on the other hand I guess it's not so nice given what, what we talk about and the circumstances and everything, but... I appreciate you um, having being on the program again and introducing all the listeners uh, to your sister-in-law, uh, Julie C. And I appreciate it's, you being it's, on. It's really hard, you know. Thirty yeah. years is, is really hard, and then uh, we went through it again uh, mm. about 17, 18 years ago. They excavated a the concrete floor at this person's house. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. All right, I don't know if we ever talked about that. Okay. The FBI and police did. They used some kind of radar devices and search dogs in that home, um, but they didn't find anything. And that was actually the third time between 97 and 2001 that they searched that home. Hmm. And nothing. Nothing. Okay. See, I didn't know that. Of the listeners wondering, uh, I don't know if that ever came up in in any of the conversations we we talked about, but uh, we had. But they did then search the house a few times, and in fact, even so far as uh, digging up part of the house. Right, because he was uh, supposed to have poured fresh concrete in um, that garage at one point, okay. and uh, it was it was fairly new. And they had received a tip that I don't know from where or who, but that she might be buried under the garage. Huh. Could have been a neighbor that saw him putting the concrete in or, or whatever. I, I have to ask this. I have to ask this. How did, how did Ken Roy, uh, how was he handled or how did he handle being a suspect? Uh, because the reason I ask is because, you know, some suspects when they are confronted by police you know they of course they claim they have nothing to do with it of course then others say well go ahead try to prove it you know they some are very nice some are very um, arrogant did you ever get an idea from police how ken roy reacted when he would be questioned or when his house was searched uh i don't think he was a charmer based on the little bit that's been said mm -hmm. uh I think he had kind of an arrogant attitude, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to find anything on me sort of attitude. Okay. 
He did. I, I'm just wondering if he was overtly like, no, I didn't have anything to do with this, or because some, some, um, well, some suspects are not like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he was more try. That's that's how I understand it. Be like, you know, try it. You're not going to find anything. Okay, because I can remember. I think it was the Rosemary Rap case where when the police brought her husband in to question him about her disappearance. He, he said something like, you know what, guys, I'm way smarter than any of you. And so you're never going to pin anything on me. That was an, uh, something It was something like that. That's, that This guy said, yeah, that's basically what I've been told about this person uh, is that he has that attitude that he's way more clever. And I've been told he's pretty clever. Okay. Well, um, hopefully one of these days uh, somebody will be more clever than he is. Maybe it's uh, uh, some listeners of Unfound that you know they can figure this all out, and hopefully we can. If he is the guy who did this, and you know we just don't know. I think that when you have um, some facts that you know we don't have a lot of facts in this case. There's a lot of wiggle room for a lot of different possibilities. Unfortunately. Um, that, you know, there's probably a few different things that could have happened to her and it wouldn't necessarily have involved, uh, Kenneth Roy, but if the police want to say that he's the number one suspect, who am I to argue? So, there's, you know, there's always that, that chance mm-hmm. or, or something else, but they are, they, they're pretty adamant that that's who they felt like did something. Yeah. And every time you get a phone call or through the years or I can't count the times my mom called me, they found the body. I just wanted to give you a warning. You know, mm. Don't get upset. Um, and then it wouldn't be Julie. There's, uh, I can't remember the exact count, but there's quite a few girls from a certain time period in Daytona. Uh, there was another girl, Denise Dansby, that's car was found backed into a, or pulled into a hotel parking lot. Uh, they did find Denise's body, but they have never found her, or they found her remains. Uh, they never found the murderer. And that, that case is kind of similar mm-hmm. to Julie's. And there was another girl, I can't remember her name right off the top of my head, that struck me as, as similar to these just poof, vanished without a trace kind yeah. of cases. Yeah, listeners should know that I did uh, look up uh, Daytona Beach in, you know, in those, you know, that time frame, you know, a few years before, a few years after. Darlene Webb was, of course, even longer before that. I think it was 1983 when she disappeared. So I don't really see a lot of um, similarities. I'm going to I'm going to guess my opinion. You know, in looking at the nameless list of women who disappeared in Daytona Beach, but nameless does not have every missing person on its list. Right. So there could be I other missing women. A lot of the girls on her uh, page, her Facebook page, back when I first started the page, so you'd have to scroll down quite a ways. But mm. I did list um, all the women that were missing during that time period and, and the dates. And, uh, the one girl had a really, uh, want to say it was a German-type sounding last night name, 
Poland. Oh yes, I, yes, I saw her name too. Yes, yeah, that's one right. of the ones. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that I don't know. You know, the just kind of mm. odd. The Denise Dansdeman with the car that always struck me as as kind of strange. And then mm. there was um, I can't remember which other girl it was that I thought possibly could have been you know killed by the same person. Yeah. Okay. Like you said, I looked into it. Really, my opinion, nothing really jumped out at me. Once again, just looking at the nameless list. But there could be other missing women in Dana, Daytona Beach who are not on in the list. In fact, just last week on Unfound, we covered a woman's disappearance who's not on NamUs at all. So there could be women in Daytona Beach who disappeared 86, 87, 88, 89 similar circumstances <clears throat> and they wouldn't be able to be found easily their names to be found anywhere because they're not on that list so too, you know you have to remember when you're in an area like daytona um so many people go there um the 70s and 80s you know a lot of mm -hmm. people graduated mm -hmm. florida from from different places and uh when you start looking for somebody that that's missing it's unbelievable uh, the the unidentified people. Sure. That, oh yeah. That have never, you know, you're, you're thinking they're not on Namus, uh, but you know they'll be in a in a Jane Doe website or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, no one's looking for them. Yeah. Just, I know. I know. Us. I know. It's yeah. The unidentified remains. Uh, list on NamUs and elsewhere are uh, it's startling as well. It is right, right. Okay, Leslie, it's great having you back on the program. Uh, we had, I think we had a very all-encompassing conversation about Julie, but uh, but about maybe some possibilities that her disappearance could be connected to others. I'm sure the uh, unfound listeners will look into that uh, themselves. But that would be um, awesome. And no. if anybody finds out anything, please turn it in to Detective Al McAvoy, Daytona Beach Police Department. Leslie, thank you for being on this episode of Unfound. Thank you so much for doing an, another one for us. You're very welcome. And that was my interview with Leslie Martin, sister-in-law of Julie C. I thank her for joining all of us once again on Unfound. And if you missed her previous interview, please find the Donnie Martin episode on Podomatic, iTunes, Spotify, or elsewhere. To start this summation, it's hard not to suspect Ken Roy for Julie's disappearance. As I posted in the discussion group on Facebook and elsewhere, he had a long list of violent felonies before and after Julie disappeared. They worked together, and it seems the police got focused on him very quickly. Frankly, much more quickly than other police departments have acted, and many other cases unfound is covered. What's unclear to me, though, and I got the feeling it's unclear to Leslie as well, is how the police found out about Ken in the first place. Did co-workers see how Ken stalked Julie and alerted police after her disappearance? Did possibly another co-worker get the same treatment from Ken and alert police? Did police start looking through the criminal records of Julie's co-workers and found Ken and thought him to be the most likely suspect? We really have no idea. Because to remind you again, 
Julie never mentioned the name of her harasser to anyone. And to put a finer point on this, with Julie never mentioning Ken, it leaves open the possibility that somebody else did cause her disappearance. Or she might have just run off on her own. Before you think I'm off on that, look at it this way. And I'm sure the investigators had these points in their minds back at the time, despite also looking at Ken. Julie was recently divorced. She didn't have custody of her children. It's the holidays, and it doesn't seem like she would get to see her children until after Christmas. And many people get more depressed than usual around the holidays. What I'm saying is police could have looked at that information, along with the fact that she never named the guy who was harassing her, and at least at the time, law enforcement might have thought, could she just be depressed and having some mental episode and just making this stalker up? Hey, we all know how non-seriously the police take disappearances, especially if the missing person shows any signs of depression or mental illness. Yet, I also have to give law enforcement credit. They went to Ken's house. They dug up the garage eventually. They at least spoke to him about Julie's disappearance. However, they would have had more ammunition in those discussions if Julie had come out and named Ken as her stalker in the conversation she had with the people she trusted the most. Then there would be no question who she was talking about. Instead, 31 years later, his harassment of Julie is somewhat hearsay. And yes, I believe that's how meticulous investigators have to be with situations like this. I realize to almost all of you, there is no mystery as to what happened to Julie and who did it. But then I got to say in response then it's a mystery to me that if Ken is exactly like he was portrayed, why isn't he connected to more women's disappearances? Or maybe he is. I'll leave the rest of the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. If you found it informative, please go to the app that you use to listen to Unfound and give this podcast a nice review. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel. And you've been listening to Unfound.